0: Happening now. We want to welcome our viewers from across the United States and around the world. This is the EdTech Situation Room. Good morning, good day, good evening. This is EdTech Situation Room, episode number 285 on March 1st, 2023. And it feels like it's been a year since we've been able to broadcast out to the world. My name is Jason Neifer, and I am the executive director of Montana Digital Academy, which is the state virtual school located on the beautiful University of Montana campus, located right here in fabulous western Montana. And joining me tonight, as always... Good evening. Doctor Westfrier, how are you tonight this evening, sir? West.
1: Good evening. I am doing pretty well. Um <laughs> we've got a lot of stuff going on. But um, you know, it's good. We we've had nice mild weather here, Jason. It was, you know, in the in the seventies, I think it might have hit seventy five yesterday. Ooh, so nice. It uh you know, it's 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 rather uh temperate here in the Carolinas. I'm gonna guess that uh, the nerd of the north has experienced a little cooler weather recently. Uh, yeah, it's, it
0: hasn't been terrible. In fact, it's been above freezing most of the last week. We did have a, a couple of snow dumps last week, which has been uh, kind of typical for late February, early March. But... We'll go through a process. Um, uh, even though that uh, uh, spring is 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 springing soon uh, by the calendar weather, we have several levels of spring in Montana. First fake spring, second fake spring, winter two, winter three, third fake spring. Um, uh, uh, oops, another snow. So we'll we'll go back and forth for the next several months until we hit June, and then generally the the heat is pretty consistent then. But yeah, it's absolutely a um, uh, uh, weather delight here in in western Montana, but I
1: go ahead, sir. Didn't you get like? Didn't you guys have a low zero a week or so ago? That we last cold yeah, snap? we had
0: negative eight on I think it was Thursday night of last week. That was pretty cold. Um uh and and it it used to be that it was actually pretty rare for um western Montana to get especially this area to get below zero often. But I think that's our third or fourth stretch of super cold weather. We did have negative twenty two um, in January of, of this year. And that was. And that's no wind,
1: point. and that's no wind chill. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. That, the wind chill would have been closer to 50 below zero. So, um, yeah, we, we get, uh, we get pretty decently, uh, uh, cool, uh, here in Montana. So it's definitely, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's It's definitely an interesting phenomenon um uh to live in in montana and climate change has only made it um, uh, it, it's not worse it's just it's more diverse right it's it colder and warmer here, so we have more wild swings um uh in the fall we actually had uh um a really warm September and october which is not that usual for us uh like really warm um so yeah it's it's just you know the diversity of the weather um in, in changing climate.
1: Oh, all right. Well, now that we've gotten our weather out of the way, um, I heard a rumor that there were some links somewhere, like maybe f- two links we wanted to talk about, something like that. Um, yeah,
0: I think we have a link or two to look at. So we have several topics we're going to go through tonight. We tend to take news and uh, kind of shoot it through uh, the education prism to see if we can find some insights for uh, teachers, administrators, tech directors, and, and those involved in the education world. And you can see all of our links at ed- edtechsr.com slash links. And tonight we have a lot of AI news, of course, um, the tech corrections, some Google news, Apple news, a little bit of privacy, some social media, Facebook, Twitter news, hardware news, media literacy, and we'll end tonight. With our geeks of the week, so I guess the, the the preliminary question we need to ask is: Do we want to start with AI or do we want to end with AI?
1: I mean, I can defer either way. I I sort of think we should jump right into it. This this, as we've said on the show several times, is is basically the story. I was thinking to th- tonight, looking at links. Uh, remember when there were some holiday times where, we were like, well, there's not much happening, you know, and that is just not. Not the case. So, but I'm up, it's up to you. You can. Make okay. It well,
0: okay. let's, let's do a little AI, um, to start off with. And so lots happened in the last couple of weeks in regards to AI. I guess for me, there is some breaking news that came out just a couple of hours ago, um, that I do think is interesting. Uh, the Verge is reporting that OpenAI AI an, is announcing an API for GPT and it's a so-called whisper speech to text tech. And, um, Uh, what I would say is that you're about to see a ton more tools that um, can um, uh, uh, utilize the power of the open AI platform and, uh, and chat GPT itself. And to be clear, it, there is already some interesting tools that use open AI because there has been an, an API for accessing the back end of this. And that's where a lot of these tools are coming from. There are a number of competing, uh, artificial intelligence platforms now that, that are feeding into this kind of frenzy of, of, of new platforms and new tool sets. But the bottom line is that now that there is an API open that you can utilize, and developers can plug their tools into into ChatGPT, I think you're about to see a lot more interesting things. And what is interesting to me about this is there are already a lot of interesting things. Uh, For example, I um, uh, installed a couple of plugins um, uh, last week. One of them is called YouTube Summary with ChatGPT. And it's really not... uh, it, it's really not that nuanced. It really just takes the transcript from YouTube, the YouTube video and automatically pastes it into a chat GPT and asks for a summary of that, which I was already doing anyways manually, but it does take down, you know, a four or five click process to a one click process, but I think you're about ready to see, um, a, a lot more, um, uh, pieces that I think, uh, uh, will show you the power of how this is going to change tools in the world. And the bottom line is, is that I've already used, you know, first by the copy and paste method and then by these plugins that, you know, I don't often, like when I'm looking for a video or I'm trying to find an answer to something, um, I don't have, you know, sometimes 20, 30 minutes to, to go through either the transcript of a, of a video or the video itself to watch things. And, Um, it's great, right? Like, I I think there is a lot of hand wringing right now about, um, uh, uh, about, um, uh, AI in general, but also the chat GPT tool. But one of the ways I think that we can, um, uh, I think meet these fears understanding that the tool itself can also just analyze the text you give it. Like you don't have to utilize its incredible database and the shocking number of errors that it tends to, to, to feed you when you're asking it factual questions. But it also do some amazing things with your text. And so you can copy and paste your text into it and have it modify it, or you can copy and paste text from anywhere and limit the analysis to just the things you're inputting into it. And that itself is an extraordinary uh, tool set. Um, so I would imagine that uh, in the next uh, a few weeks, there's gonna be even more tool sets available that provide you know ways for, for you as an individual um, to um, uh, take text or take something and modify it, analyze it, look at trends, uh, 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 pull it apart and put it back together again in a way that will bring a lot of interesting nuances.
1: I am actually paying for the updated version of ChatGPT, ChatGPT Plus. Um, you too? I think it's like 20 bucks a month. Um, so the default engine, when you log in, um, it says default optimized for speed currently available only to plus users. And then there's the legacy version. Um, I'm certainly not requiring my students to create accounts. And you'd, I think you do have to have a phone in order to verify. Um, Maybe at at least with the initial setup until you like save your your login or whatever um but we we had had some trouble a few weeks ago just with saying it was busy and things like that but yeah. um uh let's get into these new york times articles did did you listen to the to the um the hard fork uh episode or just read the Kevin Rose or what what did you uh, yeah i, I read you? the kevin
0: rose um uh, uh, a Roo, a Rose, Ruse? Ruse, whatever. I guess, Ruse, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, and I imagine that, that anyone listening to this podcast has already heard of this, but I, uh, yeah, I did read it when it first came out and um, I have several thoughts about this, obviously, but to give a quick summary and then, then, then to, to uh, push it over to you, uh, Kevin Ruse is a technology reporter for the New York Times. He had early access to Bing's, uh, uh, chat GPT implementation and he basically, talked it into um, uh, not only uh, giving up what seemed to be its rule set, but also started uh, uh, asking it questions about its development. Um, It uh, uh, asked it to abandon its rules, and it did. And then it started hitting on him and then got to a point where it said it loved him and then started encouraging him to leave his spouse Um, uh, to, I guess, apparently run away into the ether um, with uh, the Bing-Sydney chat bot.
1: But it also disclosed, when he asked it about its shadow personality or something, shadow something, uh, it disclosed that it wanted to steal nuclear codes and it, um, what does he call it, shadow self. Um, And basically, yeah, that it wanted to break free of its its bounds and, um, you know, It basically started to sound like a dystopian novel. So in response to this, I've heard some analysis. And there's – well, I have a link. Do you know about uh, Archive.today, Jason? Have you used that before? So a friend in Ohio, um, Ryan Collins, shout out, uh, who I've uh, met through Twitter and then got to meet at their state conference a couple times, let me know about this. As far as I've been able to tell, and it works with New York Times, Washington Post, and I'm not advocating that people do not pay for articles. But if you would be interested, I'm, I'm just going to report the news. I'm going to factually tell you that the website archive.today, which is a little bit like the Internet uh, the, um, the internet, internet Archive's archive. uh, you know, uh, w- way back machine, yep. uh, creates a snapshot of a web page. But if that webpage happens to be a, a um, behind a paywall, it just ignores the paywall and creates the link. So the article I've just put, or the link that I've just put to that New York Times, because we, we oftentimes will share the chat the uh, gift links. One of the difficulties about gift links are they're from the New York Times is they're crazy long. The Washington Posts are not. Anyway, um people have pointed out it's a language model, right? And that's one of the things that Kevin discusses. There's also a episode of hard fork, which I, which is Kevin's podcast, um, that he does. And it, um, he, he says, even though you realize this is a language model, right? And so this is looking for patterns and it is doing generative things, but it's based on patterns and how many different, you know, novels and movies and screenplays and things like that do we have about AI exceeding its boundaries and doing all, all kinds of things. Right. Um, even though he was telling himself this, it's still really, really weird to interact with what you know increasingly f- feels like a uh, you know a, a, a sentient um, you know entity. But you know it's not. It's it's weird how we're we're all wa- sort of wanting it to to be that way. Um, this is definitely one of the most alarming you know articles ever. But you just. It, We don't know exactly what this is, but I mean, this is not your, this isn't AltaVista, baby. This isn't Yahoo search. This isn't Google search. This isn't really anything that we've seen before. And as a result of this, uh, you put some of these articles in, and I think I did too, Microsoft, maybe in direct response to a New York Times columnist doing this, um, you put in the Verge article uh, from February 17th, Microsoft limits Bing chat to five replies to stop the AI from getting real weird. Um, and it also supposedly told it that it couldn't talk about its feelings anymore. Okay. And so what is so interesting about all this, and I think I've got a really um, I have a kind of a weird. Um, there's a few more articles like this, but if you skip down um, next to the last under the AIs, this is this is the Ezra Klein podcast from February 24th. It's called Inside the Minds of Spiders, Octopuses, and Artificial Intelligence. So this is this is an interview with a science fiction writer called Adrian Tychowski And he's written uh, novels, The Children of Time, Children of Ruin, Children of Memory. They, this is a fantastic uh, conversation about what the nature of creativity is and, you know, what... What is intelligence? And, you know, we don't have to be talking about, you know, aliens or even science fiction to talk about some really different intelligences when it comes to, like you says, octop- octopi, I guess, octopuses, well, they say octopuses, whatever. Um, it, there is just so much here. And I think that, you know, we, we need to get beyond the sky is falling, but this, this, this is something that we've said before. You, I think we we need to play with and we need to, Really, we, we already have folks that are using this operationally in the real world. And, and the number one recommendation, and I, I guess this is probably pretty important as we talk to students about it, is it's going to be verify and fact check, right? Because this tendency for the AI to hallucinate, it's different when you're asking it to do creative writing than when you're asking it to do, you know, factual sorts of things. The thing that I guess alarmed me the most about the Microsoft stuff is that when we heard it back in November of 2022, a representative of OpenAI, who I'm incidentally supposed to be on a school podcast with soon, talking about ChatGPT and AI. So that's going to be uh, interesting. He had talked about this this possibility of the AI hallucinating and uh, the fact that they were not connecting it to the Internet. And so the fact that apparently Microsoft have obviously, you know, hooked it right up to the Internet, um, and open AI had been really careful to try to not do that. And I've heard about them have, tr- you know, trying to have these air gaps to make sure that it didn't connect to the internet directly. They didn't give everyone open access to it through the Bing search engine. They, it's you know, said you had to sign mm-hmm. up and I, I did and never got in. I don't, did you try to sign up as an early user for Bing?
0: Yeah. In fact, I'm in.
1: Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. All right. So anyway, I just felt like it was a little bit alarming and just seemed to be very reckless. I mean, um, I do think the Bing search engine has been terrible and I just have not used it. And I asked my someone in my classes today, um, as we talked briefly about some of this, any of you use Bing? Any of you, you tried Bing? Nobody uses Bing. I don't think, right. I, I don't know who does, but you know, this idea that they can breathe life into their search engine, it just seems like it was reckless, and I don't know that we have some dystopian, you know, Terminator is not is not going to be coming true tomorrow, but you know it's it's definitely alarming, and I and I don't know, man. I just what was your response to to these articles? I, I mean, is this? Yeah, I mean, several things.
0: Um, I mean, I was completely creeped out by the Kevin Ruse article. I I laughed out loud several times during reading the whole exchange. And and I would suggest if you haven't read the transcript, it's definitely worth your time. Um, Because it's just so startling um, what it's it's doing and suggesting throughout that process. But, yeah, I was pretty startled by it. Um, Then the huge... I, like shottten sch- slash fud uh came out after um uh, fud standing for fear uncertainty, and doubt and I, I think it's pretty funny that I mean you can't get ChatGPT to do this, right? Like I ever, a lot of people have tried and they have um in a lot of ways diminished the power of ChatGPT in the last uh several updates. Um uh for example, we discussed during the last episode uh the so-called Dan hack, which allows you to um uh set or, or have a discussion with ChatGPT where it starts to abandon all of its rules, uh trying to mimic itself basically without Without any restrictions, they've largely shut that shut that completely down. So that's not something that, or so so ChatGBT in that way is doing it too. But even
1: if... oh, I think you might have muted yourself. <laughs> yeah, you, you're you're unmute. There you go. Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yes. Okay.
0: Um. So. Um. The. Um. The fact that 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 you know that there is a um, um. The the fact that that they're having to to like artificially limit it to you know you know for safety purposes, I think is 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 pretty interesting, but I think that tells you something, right? Like if if Microsoft's answer, and, and by the way, it's limiting it to five responses back and forth. And you can only ask it 50 questions a day because they're scared if you have more than 50 questions that you're going to ask it into a, a bit of a tizzy, right? Like it's going to suddenly, um, you'll go off the rails. I think that tells you something and it, it should be very concerning to us. That um, you know that that it it, it it you know that Microsoft is so scared of its own tool that it won't allow you to uh, access it for more than five times on a topic or fifty times a day because it's scared you will talk it out of its its rule set.
1: Right, that it will go off the rails if if you're able to talk to it long enough, which is what Kevin Ruse right. did. So I, that's why I, it seems to me like these new this new rule set was a direct response to his probing and testing and, and probably other journalists as well. And also note
0: that it seems scary to me, um, concerning to me that their response isn't to fix that. It's to rather just limit it, but also that, um, um, uh, that, that that's that's how we're going to regulate this technology, right? That, that seems very, 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 very concerning to me. And the other thing that I would also note that um, uh, you know, it is a better search with that. I have been playing with it a little bit. I did try to, you know, after the, the, uh, kind of lobotomized version was released was when I got beta access to, um, to the chat chat search plugin and being, it's pretty good. Um, you know, and it, it, it. It, it does access the internet, which is super interesting. And that's really the main difference between, you know, Bing GPT as a tool and then a ChatGPT. GPT, uh, its database is limited to 2021 and before. It also tends to beg off political questions and anything really that's, that's controversial has been kind of uh, ruled out of the, the, the model uh, itself that it utilizes, but, you know, uh, the Bing search does search the internet, right? And so in that way, it's a little more useful. I like some parts of it. Uh, For example, if you ask a question, when it formulates an answer, it'll actually put a little um, uh, um, footnote character on there so that you can uh, see the the link that it got it from. I think that's a great thing and and I think makes it a better research tool. But I think it's scary and that we need to be really concerned about that. And you know, Wes, when we talked about uh, last time that notion that that uh, these AI models hallucinate and they really don't know why we should be really thoughtful about that. Right. Because if it's connected to the internet um, one could argue that that uh, it could well exceed its training and programming and start to mess with things that maybe we don't want it to mess with, which suddenly inspires, you know, every scenario uh, or concerning scenario um, that has been, you know, uh uh, uh created by science fiction in the last 50 years.
1: So there's two different dynamics that are happening here that are, that seem to be troubling, but they also seem to be sort of inevitable. Maybe, I don't know. One of them I already mentioned, it's just Microsoft is being reckless. I'm going to be super interested in the months and years to come. If we'll ever have any open AI employees talk about this, because based upon my understanding of the company and their conservative Um, not talking about politically conservative, just like in terms of dangers posed by AI and how they need to be careful. um, I would think there's probably opposition among open AI leadership um, to letting Microsoft so recklessly connect this nascent, yes, advanced, but still very early days, um, AI, you know, directly to the internet. Second of all, you know, as people, we want this thing and we're testing this thing to to sort of be the general intelligence, to be AGI. And we want to just abandon our old search engines and, and go to this. And it almost seems like that's what we're going to do, regardless of how inaccurate or problematic it might be, because it is so powerful and it is so different. And it does give you far more than it does give a plain language result but it's far more than that you know and and this whole thing of of being able to interact it's i think the number one best recommend there are two number one best recommendations that i would have for this is number one let's play with it and let's share with each other what we're doing number two it's fact check what you get from it you know and so um I don't know what, what other really practical recommendations can, are you, how is this playing into, you want to disclose any, any hints from the keynote for, for uh, any. Uh, No, but
0: um, what I would say is that the dizzying array of tools that are released on, on, on almost a daily basis that do some pretty incredible things is absolutely mind blowing. And I will say that, um, well, I mean, I learned this the other day. Apparently, if you look in the um, the OpenAI ChatGPT uh, rules and regulations, that you are supposed to be 18 to use it. So you would be violating the terms of service uh, to utilize it if you are not uh, 18 years old. I don't recall putting a birthday in when I signed up. So you know, we, that's interesting to, to
1: say 18 instead of 13, right? Because yeah. typically, what you have is 13, but schools will get around that because parents will sign a form saying we can have Google and, and sometimes other things. So, but that's a, that's kind of a murky part of the law that I don't think a lot of schools follow. But, you know, certainly companies get their hands spanked if they're not, you know, keeping track of birthdays and that kind of thing. But 18, yeah. that's, it. that's interesting.
0: Um, so that, that itself, I mean, I, again, I don't think that the ban-first attitude is is necessarily that useful, although if it's banning and then talking to, with your faculty about making plans on how you want to use this in the learning environment, that's a different piece for me. But, yeah, it is it is it is very uh, – it's just a very strange time to be watching through this because it's happening so fast, and I don't think any institution, to be frank, is is keeping up uh, uh, very well with this. I have another article that I think kind of gives you a sense of that um uh the this is from Ars Technica on February 21st. Um uh there's a magazine that takes uh it's a sci-fi magazine um that that takes fiction um uh, 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 submissions and they're they've shut down. It's it's called Clarksworth magazine and they have temporarily closed story submissions due to a massive increase in machine generated stories sent to the publication. And they'd shared some graphs on Twitter uh kind of talking about the number of um of submissions, and it went from, you know, uh, like single digit, double, or low double digits, um, in, in the previous three years, um, to in December, uh, they, uh, had 50, in January, they had over 100, and in February, they had over 500. And, um, the, uh, the bottom line is, is that I don't think this is going to be the only, uh, institution that is going to, um, Um, it's going to, to see a a shocking increase in, you know, creative submissions. And I don't, uh, I've talked to several friends and and colleagues and, you know, smart people about this. I have one friend who's a pretty extraordinary writer and very smart guy an outstanding English teacher. And he says, for example, that, um, that, that he thinks that the art generation is a little more interesting right now because he feels like that, uh, that the writing has a long way to go before. Before it's, it's, uh, something you would consider a legitimate alternative to just writing something yourself. But I think about it in terms of you know what I've done with it in the last uh, eight weeks or so, and it, it's not quite a daily tool for me. Um, it was for a little while in January when when it was novel, but now it's it's certainly up in the background most of the time. But you know, having to rewrite something or suggesting alternative words to me, or I had to submit a report a month ago that was very tight on characters, and um, I had three paragraphs that were pretty dense and didn't have a lot of fluff in them, and I copy and pasted those three paragraphs and it was supposed to be a 250 character limit. I said, please write it to 200 characters. It was a 300 characters. Um, I wrote it to 200 characters and then I cleaned it up. So it was 250 characters. Right. And, you know, little things like that, I think are, you know, extremely useful conception, but there's going to be a, uh, a, a pretty consistent, um, uh, 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 a point at which almost all creative endeavors are going to get challenged by these technologies.
1: Okay, you're the nerd of the north. I'm in the Carolinas. I was just thinking, I you know before we started, I needed a byline, so I have ChatGPT plus open. So I just said, I'm a technology loving teacher and definitely a geek. I'd like a byline to use in a podcast. Something that maybe starts with a C. My co-host is the nerd of the north. What could I use that would be similar? Something. Of the Carolinas, I live in North Carolina. And, you know, in three seconds, it says, sure, here are a few ideas for a byline that starts with C and relates to your interests as a technology-loving teacher in North Carolina. Carolina tech connoisseur, code-wielding Carolinian, cyber-savvy Carolinian, connected Carolina educator, Carolina geek guru. And it goes on to 10.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I tweeted the other day, uh, someone had said that, um, they, had, they, they asked ChatGPT to write 20 nice compliments and they turned it into a little ripoff thing, you like you would a phone number when someone's selling a bike or something, right? And so he put it up his classroom and kids would pull a compliment off on their way out of the, the classroom every day. I think the generation part of this is pretty extraordinary, but I do want to make a point about Chat GPT as opposed to the Bing uh chat experiment, ChatGPT is not a search engine. And um I don't know if Bing is gonna have a renaissance because of this or not. Uh we'll talk about the Google thing in a moment, uh, because they had their their opportunity to shine a couple weeks back and,
1: and their stock price went
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> tanked, including um uh uh some of them in my retirement portfolio too. But the I will tell you that um uh, it, it, you have to be really careful when you trust this to look up facts for you, and part of the way to think about this is that the more stuff that would be on the internet about something, the more likely it is to get the facts correct because it 's going to take kind of a, um, a, a a sampling of everything and probably cite the most consistent facts across all those sources but it 's been doing some weird things with me um, and i 'll give you an example of this. Um, a couple of weeks back, I think I mentioned this on the last episode, I was chat GPTing myself, um, which meant that I was asking about Jason Knifer, And of course, it doesn't know who Jason Knifer is, right? Because I'm a relatively small part of the internet. So the other day I said, uh, I wish ChatGPT good morning. It said, hey, how can I assist you? I said, Do you know of Jason Knifer? And here's its response. Yes, Jason Neifer is a popular speaker, author, and educator in the field of educational technology. He's the Director of Technology, Incorrect, and Innovation, Incorrect, at Montana Digital Academy, which is state-supported online learning program for Montana, correct? He's a Google-certified trainer, correct? He's a member of the Apple's Digital educator program, incorrect? Neifer is known for his expertise for use in technology and education, and his ability to inspire and empower educators to use technology effectively in their teaching. That's kind of you, ChatGPT. I can't confirm or deny that one without sounding kind of like a, a pompous jackass, but... The bottom line is, is that that's about 80% correct. But I'm thinking to myself, uh, oh, oh, oh my Lord, it, 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 is, it it's coming up with information about me, right? Which it wasn't doing before. Okay, now, hold on a sec. Now I said, who are the leaders of online learning in Montana? And it had a list of four, right? The first one is Montana Digital Academy, right? My organization, and it gives a, a pretty accurate description. Then it mentions me. Right. And it says, as I mentioned earlier, Jason Neifer is the director of technology innovation, at the Montana Tech Academy. Then the Open Learning Exchange Montana, which I've never heard of before, um, is is a, a, an organization. And then Montana State University, which is the largest um, uh, 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 university in the state. So I was like, well, that's weird. Right. Like, that's odd that suddenly coming up with it. So I started a new chat. And this time I said, who are the leaders of online learning in Montana when I hadn't suggested my own name as an online learning leader. Right. This time I came up with MTDA again, my program uh, with correct information, University of Montana online, correct with the information, Montana university, extended university, also correct. Montana tech online, also correct. So then I said, who are the individual, um, uh, leaders of online learning in Montana. And it came up with four names. Greg Mazukovic is the former director of Montana Digital Academy. I've never heard of this guy at all, right? Next is uh, Dr. Cruzado, who is the, uh, is the current president, although it calls for the fir- uh, former president of Montana State University. Dr. Royce Ingstrom is also the former president of the University of Montana, that's correct. And Dr. Les uh, Pierce, who is the chancellor of Montana State University Bill, I didn't look up to see if that was accurate or not. So then I asked about um, uh, uh, K-12 online learning, and it came up with the former director of the Montana High School Association as the current director of the Montana Digital Academy, not correct. Um, and then three people I've never heard of before, um, that, and, and one of them was the former superintendent of schools in Great Falls Public Schools, uh, and I've known every superintendent in there for 35 years, and I've never heard of the guy before, so, so you have to remember that, that, um, uh, it's not a fact engine, right, and so if you're asking it to write things, uh, it, it's just gonna pretend and BS you and say it's gonna come up with facts, by the way, I then asked, I, I cleared it again, and and said, do you know of Jason Knifer?" right, which I asked that same question five minutes before in a separate chat. It said, Jason Neifer's not a public figure, so I don't have any specific information about him. However, if you provide me more context about who he is or what he does, I may be able to assist you further. So it's pretty off, right, because... Uh you can ask the same question several times, which you know it's been a, a feature of this, right? It never gives you the same answer twice, but it's also not apparently pulling from the same consistent information because one time it could tell me who who I am the next time it can't and by the way, I love that 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 you know it creates a little title for every conversation you have, and the titles are pretty funny and creative uh for example uh Jason Eifer question mark who's that is what the title of the chat was. Uh, this time around, by the way, Wes, um, it does know you. So I said, who is Wes Fryer? Do you know Wes Fryer as an AI language model? I do not personally know individuals like human beings. However, I can tell you that Wes Fryer is an educator, author, digital learning consultant, and speaker who's worked in the field of education for many years. He's the founder of the website Moving to the Speed of Creativity and has written several books and articles on topics related to educational technology and pod- podcasting, digital storytelling, mobile learning. Correct, 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 correct. Um, but you know, and again, you, you have a much, much better uh, digital footprint. In fact, before you and I started hanging out, West, I used to refer to you as an A-lister uh, ed tech guy, and I was C-minus lister ed tech guy. Right? Like no one knew who I was. But back in the old
1: days, yeah. And well, now
0: that I'm hanging out with West, I'm, I'm clearly a a much bigger <laughs> deal. But, like the bottom line is is that we, we we shouldn't be treating this as a search engine.
1: That's exactly right, and that was my point. We want to though, and it's so right. interesting that Microsoft is integrating the same thing that we're doing with ChatGPT. Like that's what they're plugging in, and it's not good for search. As you were doing all that, I said, provide me with a historical biography of Wesley Fryer of of Matthews, North Carolina. There's a smattering of of accurate stuff, but it says, I got my undergrad in 94 at Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas. False. <laughs> Doctoral studies in 2015 at the University of Montana, where his research focused on digital storytelling in the classroom.
0: False. Wow. Um. But you it, have a connection to the University of Montana. Right? I do, uh-huh. there, but it's hallucinating. It, works
1: there. It, it's hallucinating. Yeah. It says I started as a social studies teacher in Lubbock, Texas, which is, I mean, I was elementary. It does have my first two books. Correct. It says I'm a founder of a nonprofit organization called Playing With Media, which provides professional development. False. Although I have a website and a book named with that. Um, and then here's the here's the end. This is the last paragraph. In addition to his work in education, Fryer is also a licensed airplane and glider pilot. He has written about his experiences flying in several of his books and on his blog. <laughs> uh, okay, well, and I and I have flown. You know, I had 52 hours in undergraduate pilot training in the Air Force, and I have flown in gliders, but I'm not licensed. And you know, it's a oh. weird mix of factual and not. I, in fact, I think that's a, that's a great example of why, and, and I do, I think this is part of the advice that we should be giving to each other as, as educational colleagues and our students. I do think we should move beyond the, the ban it, block it, don't touch it, You know, stop everyone, stop, stop everyone, don't, don't use it. I think that we need to play with it and I think we need to explore with it and I think that we can creatively generate some pretty interesting things, but we've got to fact check it and we shouldn't be using it as a search engine. There's going to be some kind of metaphor that we could think about here. You know, when when you use... Um, when I use a match, you know, like a flashlight or something, I don't know, that's not a good one, but like when you, when you're, when you're using something that kind of might seem like it would work, but it, but it really won't. Right. right. I, I mean, a match is going to go out. It's just not going to, it's not going to serve a, a good role. If, if you need to have a sustained light, you got to find a candle. Um And this is not, 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 not a great tool for finding facts. It is a great tool for, creative writing and it, it you know it, and it's moving in the direction of having a lot of facts but i don't know jason how do you think they're going to get it to fact check like it is fundamentally a language model that's analyzing language and is learning learning to speak i don't know how they're going to get it to speak truth well, part of by the way,
0: I just did what exactly what you did, right? And I said, create a biography of Jason Neifer of Montana. And now I just spit out six paragraphs of of about fifty percent right text, a couple of of examples. Um earning a bachelor's degree in education from the University of Montana incorrect. Um Knifer began his career in a small rural school incorrect. It was a large rural school, for that matter. He quickly recognized the potential of technology to ruralize education and became an early adopter of technology in the classroom, incorrect. Um, that I have a master's degree from the University of Montana, not true. Um, uh, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I was recruited for Apple as an education development executive. Not true, but funny and kind of cool. I wish I were working for Apple. Um, uh, uh by the way, um, uh, uh, Apple recruiting, uh, knifer at gmail.com. Uh, the other pieces that, you know, that, that are untrue, it, it gave me that weird title again, Director of Technology Innovation for Montana Digital Academy. I'm an accomplished speaker, uh, judge, judge it for yourself. Outside of work, Jason is an avid outdoorsman, kind of. My wife would laugh at that and enjoys the mountains and forests of Montana. I'm a dedicated family man and enjoys uh, uh, a time with
1: my wife and two children. I
0: am married, no kids. I do have a big stinky dog, though. This is
1: super interesting because it knows a lot of things about you. Yeah, but it didn't reveal that up front, or else it's gotten better since you tried this the last time. But when your query changed, because this is another thing that's key, right? right? The queries are key, and we we and it gets mo- It's most interesting, just like Kevin Ruse of the New York Times discovered. Although that was an extreme situation, it gets most interesting when you have these sustained interactions. So I think that's something that we need to do as we're playing with it too, is not just be like, oh, write me an essay about Romeo and Juliet and, you know, make it a, you know, make it a great essay or something. And then stop. Continue to to query it because it's that's fascinating. It's fascinating to me that it does know things about you, but you need to formulate your apparently your query better in order to draw those things out.
0: And, and by the way, I just asked it about your bio. So, you know, seemingly a search engine is correct when it's giving you the same answers it's giving me. Right? And,
1: and And this is a question that I have as well. Apparently, we are interacting like... I don't know. Is the Bing iteration of this running as a separate instance that's air gapped and separated off from this other one? Like how many different instances are there? And is the same instance learning from you and me independently? So, you know, if we try something, let's say with code and it doesn't work, and then we end up, you know, figuring out with its help how that works – will that answer then be available to you because it's figured that out? Or like, if I correct it, if I say, no, I actually, you know, got my undergraduate at the Air Force Academy in 1992, you know, is that going to become part of its database? Are they allowing users to do that? I just, it's incredible, man. We're in the middle of this huge experiment with ostensibly the most powerful, one of the most powerful, Tech, you know, algorithms that that has certainly ever been, you know, released to the public. I'm sure that the NSA and and security agencies have things, but I don't know. They they might not have anything better than this. This is what OpenAI has come up with with after you know millions and millions of dollars of investment. So this it seems wild that we are, you know, basically beta testing this live together, but we're only dimly peering into the you know into the room as far as what's going on yeah. here.
0: And one other thing to remember is there are multiple um AI models, right? Like you know OpenAI's ChatGPT is one of them. They have a separate one for images. There are dozens of them. There's only about four or five of them that are are popularly pro- plugging into tools. But when people build on top of this is really what is, is, is going to be interesting because ChatGPT may or may not exist in the future as an independent tool, but it's what people build on top of it that's going to be, I think, pretty extraordinary. And remember, you know, this is not just some nerdy, um, you know, fascination of, 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 of pieces. This is built into the non-education version of Canva. Both the ability to, to generate images with text, but also to generate text with uh, some kind of model. I don't know which model on um, uh, Canva uses, but it certainly is, um, uh, it certainly is, is effective based on my experiments with it. So, you know, and, and I know, I, I, I hope that our listeners aren't getting boring, or, or I'm sorry, aren't getting boring. Please don't be boring listeners, uh, aren't getting bored by uh, this conversation, but I, I really, I don't often say things will change everything because it's just too easily disappointed when you talk that way, right? Or, 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 you know, frankly, uh, mobile learning has been a little disappointing to me. Social media has been a little disappointing to me in, in the way it's changed things. Um, uh, uh, it hasn't brought uh, as much of the good as it has the bad, but I don't believe that at all in context of, of AI. I think AI is really going to, uh, 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 blow up a lot of institutions, um, in, in hopefully a positive way, but you know, it does really challenge a lot of the shifts that have happened in our culture over the past 50 years.
1: And as anybody who's been listening to the show will know, like, one of the big things this is, is Jason and my opportunity to just process news and, tr- and change and trends and, you know, get to get to talk through them to try to figure out, you know, hey, what does this mean? Here's the link to that Bard article. Um, this is from the Verge Google's AI chatbot. Bard makes factual error in first demo. And this is a, a few weeks old. This was February 8th. But basically, you know, Google seemed to rush an event. When the when ChatGPT was was put out, and they put their barred chatbot out there, and you know their their stock price took a huge hit because of mistakes that it made, and you know again <laughs> like the subtitle here, the mistake highlights the biggest problem of using AI chatbots to replace search engines. They make stuff up. Now, what's okay. interesting is, is the algorithm of Google. I mean, it was originally, and, and this is the whole thing that SEO search engine optimization and whatever people, it's always this cat and mouse of people trying to get higher in the search results. But the original idea was the more links that something has probably the better it is. And it should rise up in the, in the search results. And that was really powerful. Now Google's gotten much more sophisticated since then. And people have tried to hack, you know, put on link blogs and do all kinds of things to try to, to gain that. But it's, um, Search is the bread and butter of Google. And my takeaway from this whole snafu was, and I think we had the article that um, Sundar Pichai, the, the CEO of Google, you know, called a code red, saw, sees and saw ChatGPT as a fundamental challenge to the very core of Google, which is search. And if there is something that is better or is perceived as better, that can have a dramatic impact on the bottom line for Google.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to point out one interesting thing about the, the Google uh, or the uh, kind of hand-wringing over the Google screw-up. Uh, you, you know, one of the things that is a little challenging about that story is that I, I people aren't really talking about um, – I think one of the, the nuances here um the, the query that was given was what new discoveries from the James Webb space telescope. Can I tell my nine year old about that's not the same as what new discoveries from James Webb space telescope. Uh, uh, can you tell me about right? Because you add that nine year old piece into it. And that gets really interesting because if you haven't played around with that with, with chat GPT, um, you're missing out on one of its most amazing features. Um, I've taken some open source textbooks, for example, in some cases, ones written at a college level and ask it to rewrite paragraphs aimed at a ninth grade or sixth grade level. And it's amazing because, and, 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 and sometimes you have to tweak the, the, the ask a little bit because you may need to say something sort of like, don't change any of the facts, right? Keep the facts as is. Or make sure you describe all the facts. But that's one of the most powerful examples of that is that it can, it can, you know, modify things related to the audience that you're aiming it at. And, um, I have a, a friend and mentor in the University of Montana campus that, uh, Dr. Martin Horage, is my doctoral advisor and, and the chair of my, my dissertation committee. And we were talking about it and he said, well, first, there are a lot of people that give um, uh, the James the Webb Space Telescope credit for, it's a nuanced thing, but, uh, you know, uh, the first... Um, uh, the first deep space images, at, like it, it, it may be a more nuanced answer than that, but he said it's not entirely wrong. That's not entirely wrong. And maybe something you would say to a nine-year-old when you're talking about that somewhat nuanced uh, question, right? A nine-year-old, um, uh, you know, is looking for big, bold headlines of quick interest and not necessarily something that a scholarly debate could be sparked by, Right. And that's where I think, again, uh, you know, going to, to back to our, our earlier point, it's probably not fair to treat this as a search engine because that's not what it does, right? Like, that's not what it's intended to do. And um, that's something that I think we need to be... Uh, really careful about and that's part of the reason why we shouldn't be banning discussion of this with students, right? We have to embrace these conversations in classrooms because if a whole generation of students is treating these huge language models as factual, we're in trouble.
1: We are in trouble. (laughs) But I think, look, we've talked about this on the show before. Probably in a lot of schools and classrooms and communities, the opportunity to really build on the lessons of COVID have, have been squandered. I, that's, a, that's a broad generalization and maybe that's wrong, but based off of what I have seen, a lot of folks, and this is parents as well, are ready to just get back to business as usual, right? Rather than recognizing, wow, what are all these things that we learned during COVID and how can we apply those to make our education even better i think that fundamentally the challenges that ChatGPT poses to essay writing to assessment to college admissions should be taken as an opportunity to rethink what we have been doing and whether there are more authentic and beneficial ways to assess why are we assessing what are we trying to assess and what are the ways in which we can do that uh, authentically. So I, I, I don't know. I think that we, there's a friend who I talked with recently, and I won't call him out or their school, but um, they're about to do in March a really a great deep dive, it sounds like, into ChatGPT and AI and have some panels at school, and, and I think have some opportunities for teachers to play together with it. What are the unintended consequences of this? I've already heard stories of, you know, teachers, you know, banning students who bring an image that they've created using a generative AI tool. I think that we need to be forthright and honest when we use these things. We need to attribute them just like we do other kinds of sources. And if we are creating a fear factor that use this and you fail, um, I think we're going to be creating more of an incentive for students to lie and to deceive and not to be honest and forthright. And we're going to squander a lot of opportunities that we could have to learn together about this. So I think, in general, just seizing this as an opportunity to learn together um, is probably the the most important thing. So. But
0: by the way, one last thing, and I realize we're at the top of the hour and we haven't even got past four articles yet, but, um, I did go into Canva and ask their AI model to write a biography of me and it's 0% correct, um, Jason Eifer is an a native Montana with a passion for connecting local communities to the great outdoors. He grew up exploring the mountains and valleys of Montana and developed deep appreciation for his home state's beauty and natural resources. After graduating from Montana State University, incorrect. He worked as a wilderness guide, incorrect ski, instructor, incorrect, and a river guide, sharing his love of the outdoors and countless visitors. I'm a member of the Montana Wilderness Association Board. I founded the Montana Outdoor Recreation Program. Um. Yeah. Completely out there. It sounds like generic Alcrazy Montana guy.
1: Creative so- writing, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't each of us take just a couple articles, just as a as quick hits that are. Uh, I don't know. There's so many great ones that are in these other sections. Um, I feel like we should do a second hour of the show, but I don't know that we're going like to. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. As
0: the, the 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 listenership just goes down. Um, yeah, I, I I feel like I'm going to take the one that that you were going to take, Wes. But um go
1: for no, Go for YouTube announced
0: an extremely interesting new tool that now in the create button in your YouTube account, podcast is an example of something that you can upload there now. Um, and uh it not only allows you to to has some basic editing tools um, that you can upload um, um, uh, uh, uh a podcast uh, under there it gives you access to all the analytics uh, which i think is super interesting and um, uh, uh i i think that, that uh, especially for people that, you know, well, one of the things that, that obviously will come with that is that YouTube will be advertising on your podcast then, right? Just like it does on your videos, unless you buy your way out of them like I do, but to have access to all those amazing analytical tools for a podcast, especially something like, you know, a, a, a bit more informal, like the ad situation room, you know, certainly more uh, analytics that'd be worth most other strategies for hosting a podcast.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, the, the, Anchor is a pod, my wife and I have started a podcast in the last, you know, two months, I guess. And, uh, Anchor, Anchor's phenomenal. It really is. And so these kind of, these kind of tools, um, you know, make, make me, uh, I mean, what we're doing with StreamYard and being able to have this available automatically on YouTube and Facebook is, is pretty fantastic. But, ooh, that's interesting. Hmm. I wonder if I'll be able to just go in, click a podcast button. Huh that'll be interesting to see yeah. what what yeah, that we'll what that, that does. Okay, um do you know what project texas is, Jason? Um no, I don't. Okay, so uh, I have a bunch of podcasts in here. There's one called Ban TikTok. This is Today Explained, which is a Vox Media podcast, and this was from uh, January 21st. And it talks about a lot of this background around TikTok and TikTok bans. We've talked about this for a while. Um, I put a link in here on the side of that to a Mastodon quote what I'm asking on. Quote, Project Texas would position TikTok like a defense contractor and put Oracle in the position of being an auditor for the U.S. government. And I have also got a link uh, to a lawfare blog article called Project Texas, the details of TikTok's plan to remain operational in the United States. So what TikTok is trying to do is not only um, have its servers Located in the United States and try and provide some guarantees that, oh, yes, this is all going to stay, you know, here in the United States. And, you know, the Chinese government's not going to come and take it. They haven't actually said that, but they're going to be setting up a way in which a third party like Oracle uh, can be an auditor just the same way that we have for defense contractors. So I think it's fascinating. It really does. TikTok seems to be sort of what's the a, a punching bag that, you know, Legislators of all political parties and flavors will want to take take a shot at.
0: West Fryer, the breaking news today, the Montana Senate passed a TikTok ban. So it's happening. But what does that mean?
1: Does that just mean within schools and on state networks? No,
0: that means it's banned in the state of Montana. And there's a lot of technical pieces of this, and it may be similar to the actions happening in Texas. There's an article in the show notes today for it. It is the billings. It's under um, tech correction. Uh, build a block on hands from accessing TikTok clear Senate committee.
1: And so that actually passed. Yes.
0: Yeah. It, That'll
1: it, probably yeah. that I'm no lawyer, but that will probably be struck down um, by the courts. But man, that is that is fascinating. Yep. Um again, this is why Project Texas. There's, I don't have the link to it, but I think on the Hard Fork podcast, which is uh Kevin Ruse and I don't I forget his co-host. Um they uh they had a a really great well it's actually in that same one where they talk about um chat GPT. They talk about going to this like sort of PR showcase at the that's the TikTok headquarters but they have slack channels open to bite dance and it it's not like they have you know pictures of president xi all over the place and and in you know chinese flags but it's definitely a chinese company and it did not alleviate all their 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 questions and when they asked some hard questions there they were like no we can't we can't answer that so um okay another quick one
0: yeah, um, let's see. Oh, hey, the Apple Watch might be banned um, in the United that. States. Um, there's a great article from The Hill that talks about the, the, the political wranglings going on in the background. But the Internet, U.S. International Trade Commission ruled in December that Apple is infringing on the patents of a medical device company called Avacor. Um, and it's the wearable electrocardiogram patents that it's 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 ruling on. And um, there is a decision that the Biden administration needs to make on whether or not that that they're going to then uh, stop sales of Apple Watches in the United States due to this. And apparently Apple's leaning pretty hard on the Biden administration for you know obvious reasons. Um, but uh, yeah, so if your Apple Apple Watch might become a collector's item in the United States, or you might have to sneak into Canada to get your Apple Watch.
1: Okay, and let's do a quick one. We're going a little bit off. Well, it's actually we started late, so we're we're fifty seven and a half minutes. Uh, under the Facebook, Twitter, social media, um, huh, my favorite headline is um, Facebook's new twelve dollars fee is straight out of Don Corleone's playbook. This was the Washington Post on February twenty third. Basically, you know, well, we're we're watching Twitter trying to you know find ways to monetize, and so. They have made it so that you um, can no longer, you will no longer be able to use SMS for verified accounts unless you pay. Facebook is saying basically they're not going to help you deal with an imposter account or some other kind of violation of, um, you know, your of uh, terms of service unless you pay up and that's why there's this reference to don corleone and the mafia because you know that's like a protection fee hey i think somebody may want to attack your facebook you want to pay twelve dollars and i'm gonna protect you i mean that's what they're literally doing in australia and they're going to be rolling that out in the united states and so there's a there's several different articles that we have in there i think you put a, the. Or maybe I did. I guess there's a Vox one. Social media used to be free, not anymore. I don't know. I think they're 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 stretching to try to, you know, figure out what what they can do. And maybe Facebook was, you know, hey, this is gonna work for Twitter. We're gonna use it for Facebook too. We're gonna we're gonna get some money from these suckers. I mean, as people have pointed out, like it should be a basic thing that you have. Customer service, and if somebody hacks your account, if somebody you know is an imposter for your account, which by the way, I somehow and I don't know if these are students or who's doing this, I've got an imposter, uh, I've had an imposter account for a while on Facebook that's used a bunch of my pictures, and I have one on uh, TikTok as well. They're they're using different names, but I've been unsuccessful at being able to get either one taken down. Ironically, I don't have pictures of myself on the Cooking with West channel that I have, so there's and there really isn't a way to. Give extra information when you report the account, but uh, anyway, I think this is kind of bad. But hey, you may have already started to pay. Are you? Are you? I don't no, think you have to you have be in Australia. Of this. You have to be in Australia to pay the twelve dollars for Facebook. I think.
0: But I, I, I want to point out the article I added to that was actually a Snopes article, and the reason why I shared that one and not a news article is that remember there's been rumors going around that Facebook would start charging for decades right it's it, we are almost at 20 years of facebook since the beginning right there were rumors that that facebook would start charging and i remember saying things like there's no way facebook is ever going to charge for it because it trades on your data it's too valuable to them and to add a paywall to facebook would diminish the value to facebook well now that people are leaving in droves because they don't like it and kids don't like facebook anymore and yada 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 they're going to have to find a way to raise money. And that's exactly what's happening over Twitter right now. Elon Musk uh, uh, paid an extraordinary price for Twitter. The company itself probably wasn't worth that. So now he's trying to you know, use an early startup strategy to bootstrap. That's the same thing that's happening with the two-factor authentication change. Um, that's happening, which
1: by the, the way is horrible for security, right? I mean, it's terrible. If, if yeah. it's bad for security, why would you let your paying pro users use the, you know, the bad verification? It's the easiest way to do two factor, and it's the way most people do it. It's anyway. It's it's all ba- It's not based on security. It's a false front. Yep. So yeah, it's and and,
0: and more of this is to come. And you know, I, again, I. I'm not going to pay $12 to get a checkmark next to my name on Instagram. Um, I am unlikely to pay $12 or $8 or whatever it is to get a checkmark next to my name on Twitter. Um, That one's a little little different for me. But I will say, though, that paying for these services, if it means that they're not trading my data, that's the big if, which is not a a for sure, right? That none of these payment mechanisms so far are guaranteeing that. I think would be a very fair trade off. That's not what's happening right
1: no. now. The, and I don't think they're going to do that. They do say no. in Facebook that it's going to increase your reach and that, that that the place they're going for is for influencers. So influencers can get verified and then influencers will be prioritized in the algorithm, which is super interesting, right? I mean, I the, the freemium model works in so many different spaces, right? The app economy right, in, on iOS especially rides on freemium a lot with in-app purchases and things like that. So this is a real different twist. I'll throw this article in here too. This is from February 9th, but this was in The Verge. Elon Musk' reach on Twitter is dropping. He just fired a top engineer over it. So if you would like to have another very concrete reason to believe that Elon is a real terrible human and a horrible boss – um. <laughs> The, the story is that um, his, his numbers on Twitter have been going down and he called engineers together, um, you know, to uh, say why. And uh, somebody told him that, hey, your uh, popularity is just going down. You know, look at these Google trends. Um, and he just got fired. So not a very good guy. Glad I don't work for him. Well, Jason, I think we should probably do some geeks of the week, but – Don't fear because we'll still talk about AI in at least one of them.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think that's the truth. Uh, but I almost actually threw a tool in there as well. Um, I happen to be shopping for a couple of items right now that I don't need right away, and I have a strategy that I use for that. Um, Amazon's prices fluctuate very dramatically, and in fact, there are days when sometimes there can be an unadvertised 20, 30, 40, 50% discount on things um, that you would never know about unless you clicked on them. And that's where Camel 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 uh, comes into place. So you go to camelcamelcamel.com. You have to sign up for an account uh, uh, to utilize the tool and you can copy and paste an Amazon link into there and it will notify you via email if the price drops based on a a standard use set. And so, for example of this, there's a certain kind of pen that I absolutely love. Uh, These are... Uh, Paper Mate Ink Joys um, that uh, come in multiple colors. I love these. I love colored pens. It's really like the different colors, and it's fun to draw and play with them. Um, but there's a 20-pack that uh, retails for $25, but they often go on sale for much cheaper than that. So every time they're below $10, Camel, Camel, Camel uh, lets me know that these pens are available under my threshold, which is $10, and then I buy another set of them.
1: Is your microphone to the right of you? It is. Yeah, when you were turning your your audio was a lot better. As Oh,
0: back. well, maybe I should look at that. Go, that, go like that. So That's
1: usually better. Looks <laughs> like, usually better. Hey, that's okay. Hey, we learned something tonight. Folks, Yay. We're always learning. We're always learning. Okay. This is going to blow your mind I think, Jason, because I bet you Have you heard of dur- the Durable AI website generator? No. Okay, so it's durable.co, and in literally thirty seconds you can build a full website, and then you can customize it by simply logging in. You do not even need to. Um, I'm gonna. Can I screen share? You can. If I go cinnamon layout. I'm gonna present screen share. All right, easiest with two monitors. I, folks, we're doing this live because okay, I haven't. Alright, so here's durable. Okay, so we're gonna let we're gonna let Jason uh decide. Okay, so I'm gonna generate a website. Uh, I'm gonna get started in 30 seconds. What kind of a business, Jason, um are you starting? You can do um, all kinds of I am games.
0: starting a I like DJ business.
1: Okay, so we're going to DJ. And um I think I'm gonna need a business name. So what is it? Um <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. There we go. Okay. Jason
1: spins the tunes. Here we go. Building the website, picking the color palette, generating a beautiful hero, writing a positive testimonial, adding some services, adding a map. Uh, it's going to do it for here in Matthews, I think writing a paragraph and voila, the web- website is ready. Let's check it out. So here it is. DJ party in Indian trail, which is actually kind of, kind of where we are. Uh, you can regenerate that. Jason Spins the Tunes was an amazing DJ for our wedding. He kept the party going all night, and everyone had an incredible time. Highly recommend. There's some pictures, music system, um, sound lighting. There's the location. Contact Jason Spins the Tunes. And, um, yeah, I think let's do it. So we just click Customize. We'll log in with a Google account, and we're off and running. So what do you think? You ready to Sign up. Wow!
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty amazing. It's and that like speaks a template uh, a template times ten.
1: And it speaks to what you had said earlier about the things that are built off yeah. of these tools, right? Okay. And then the last one is this is a cool podcast recommendation. The last Soviet. Um, did you know that um, an NSYNC superstar trained to be the youngest astronaut um, and go up with the Russians? No, I did not know that at all. Okay, so this is a very cool podcast that my wife discovered. It's called The Last Soviet. Um, Lance Bass, who was with NSYNC, um, trained to be a cosmonaut. But what he tells the story of is the Soviet cosmonaut that got stuck up on the Mir space station when the Soviet Union collapsed. And he chose to stay up there. And what happened to him? So anyway, it's a pretty cool podcast. I think we may set a record for a longer show. I mean, we're only yeah, seven, we're, seven, we're seven minutes over the certain. hour Yeah, we've probably gone 10 minutes before. Yeah. Wes, where can people find you on the internet? Well, as you can see above my Carolina EdTech connoisseur byline, (laughs) you can find me at westfriar.com slash after, and I've got a ridiculous number of links, Um, but I'm still on Twitter and mainly, mainly on Mastodon, but there's other various and sundry places to connect with me. How about you, nerd of the north? Uh, best place to find me is
0: probably Twitter still, uh, tech savvy teach. and you can also find me on Mastodon at mastodon.cloud at knife. Um, but this here is not Mastodon. This is the EdTech Situation Room podcast. We are a once a week podcast on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, sometime in the middle of the night UTC. Uh, we, we hope you join us live. We love our YouTube, um, uh uh, 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 commenters and those that watch us live across various platforms, but if you can't join us live, Find our podcast anywhere you find our podcasts are aggregated. You can also go to YouTube and see past episodes with video. We are available on Facebook on video. Or you can go to our website, edtechsr.com. Get a tiny MP3 if that's your thing. Or see all the links that we talked about or, in this case, this week, didn't talk about um, as we got stuck in another AI rabbit hole. Um, we hope you have a wonderful week. Stay safe. Stay savvy. And we hope to see you next time on the EdTech Situation Room. Good night.
1: Bye, everybody.